Welcome to Book Chat. I'm Carl Holliker, and today I want to welcome, or I should say welcome back to our guest, Jim McGowan. Jim actually had lived in uh, King of Prussia for quite a few years and actually researched today's book, which we'll talk about, uh, Station Master on the Underground Railroad. During uh, Jim's varied career, he's been a, a writer. He's a graduate of Temple University, a retired cytotechnologist, one of the first paraplegics, he tells me, to skydive. And in his younger days was a member of a musical group called The Four Fellows, who performed with such uh, luminaries as Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, and Pat Boone. Jim, welcome. It's nice well, to have thank you. you for, thank you for inviting me, Carl. It's our pleasure. Uh, your book, Station Master on the Underground Railroad, The Life and Letters of Thomas Garrett. Thomas Garrett was a white Quaker from Wilmington, Delaware, who waged a lifelong battle against slavery. Who was Thomas Garrett, and when did he live? Well, Thomas Garrett was a member of the Religious Society of Friends, the people that we call the Quakers. His family was among the first Quaker immigrants to come to America under the influence of William Penn. They landed in what is now Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, uh, around 1684. He was born on August 21st, uh, 1879, or 1789, <laughs> under the... Uh, and uh, that was just a few, well, at the same time that George Washington was uh, elected mm -hmm. president. Uh, he was one of uh, 13 children. There was a younger, another Thomas Garrett, who was born in the same family but died at a young age. And uh, so when he was born, uh, they also named him Thomas Garrett as well. Uh, in 1822, he relocated to Wilmington, Delaware, where he set up his house as a home, uh, as a station, really, to help uh, assist runaway slaves to freedom. Um, why did you decide to write Garrett's biography, and what challenges did you encounter while writing it? You know, writing his biography wasn't so much of a decision as it was something of an accident. Uh, having been born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, so in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, there was very little black history. Uh, I knew there was a civil war, and I knew that uh, there was slavery, and we were told that a guy named Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. So I knew very little about black history, but then during the rise of the civil rights movement, when there was a, an upsurge of uh, interest in black history, I began to learn about Harriet Tubman, about Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, and I became interested, of course. And around 1973, someone gave me a book uh, about Harriet Tubman. And I thought all black history was simply all blacks. <laughs> and when I came across a single paragraph that said, on her way to freedom, she was assisted by a white Quaker from Wilmington, Delaware, named Thomas Garrett. I was amazed. I said, my gosh, there were white people also involved in the Underground Railroad work. Uh, and so I became very interested in finding out who this guy, Thomas Garrett, was. I called up the Wolfson Memorial Library and I asked if they had any uh, books on Thomas Garrett. They said, no, we don't have any books on him. Uh, but you say he was a Quaker, so why don't you try some of the Quaker libraries? So I did. I called Haverford and I called Swarthmore. And they said, no, we don't have any books on Thomas Garrett, but we do have some letters. But I don't know, something just kept me going on. I became very interested in finding out about this fellow. So she said, uh, would you like me to give you copies of the the letters that we have about Thomas Garrett. I said, sure, fine. Uh, then when the, 
before she hung up, she said, are you going to write a book about Thomas Garrett? I said, yes. <laughs> and when I hung up the phone, I said, why did you say something <laughs> like that? You've never even written a book before. But I had made a commitment, and so I decided to follow through with it. And I spent the next three years of my life totally absorbed in the life of this fantastic guy. It, it was a rewarding experience. Well, it's a rewarding book, so you're certainly whatever emotions and energy you put into it really shows in the excellence of it. Uh, the first edition of your book was published in 1977. What is different about the second edition? Well, at that time, I was a fledgling writer, of course. I had written a few articles, but never a book. I was intimidated by the thought of writing a book in 1973. Uh, so what I had planned to do at that time was to take all of the information that I had collected about him and bring it together where he lived. Uh, I just went into detail to describe uh, Wilmington. I, went, I did some genealogy work on him. Uh, I collected all of his letters. That was a task to sit down and transcribe letters that were written during the 1850s. And so my intention was to get as much information about him as I possibly could. Oh, let me back up and say, also collected, he, in 1848, he was tried and convicted for helping slaves escape. So I went and I got the court records and I transcribed mm -hmm. them as well. Now, my intention was to take all of that information and pull it all together and put it in one place, make it as consistent as I possibly could so that when a real writer comes along, they wouldn't have to do all that work. They would say, well, McGowan did it all, so now I can write an interesting biography about this guy. But that never happened. So uh, I have a friend of mine who is a historian said, this is a very important book because people are using it. So you're going to have to have it reprinted. Well, he got in touch with McFarlane, and McFarlane said, yes, but we have to put, uh, make this man into a human being. Now mm -hmm. you just can't have a lot of information around him. So that, that was okay with me because now I realized that I was the real writer who had to do the work that I finished the work that I had done before. So I decided to make Thomas Garrett, to, to show people that Thomas Garrett was truly a human being. And I wrote four new chapters and I expanded one. Now those four new chapters of Thomas Garrett, the man, I decided to let people know why he did what he did, what his motivation was and what uh, inconsistencies he had, if there were any. Uh, the, the other chapter I added was, how important was Thomas Garrett? And I talk about that, the various elements of his life that made him important. Another was his relationship with Harriet Tubman. Because I had learned through reading Black History that she was, of course, the most important uh, conductor on the Underground Railroad. And I found out through reading his letters how very important she was to him. And so that's another chapter that I added, the relationship between Harriet Tubman and Thomas Garrett. And uh, finally, uh, I asked a very important question, which was how many slaves did he actually help escape? He claimed he helped some 2,700 slaves escape to freedom. And that has been accepted by some, but questioned by others. So I decided to uh, analyze it and uh, put it down so that it could be clear as to what, how many he really helped. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between the two. The first book was a collection of the material about Thomas Garrett, which you might say were the bare bones of his life. And the second book was my, this edition rather, was my 
putting some meat on those bones. Uh, although a Quaker, Garrett's feelings towards slavery and how he expressed them seem to differ from most Quakers of the era. How so? Well, the Quakers, um, as a group, uh, were anti-slavery. But not all Quakers were active on the Underground Railroad because the being active on the Underground Railroad was really illegal. And so many Quakers felt that they just didn't want to become involved in an illegal activity, yet they were anti-slavery. They felt slavery was wrong. At the same time, as human beings, many Quakers also were not, uh, well, they didn't care to have that close association with blacks anyway. Uh, in many Quaker meetings, there was segregation. Blacks were in one place and whites were in another place. With Thomas Garrett, it was different. Thomas Garrett had had a mystical experience in his life in which uh, some kidnappers had come into his home and kidnapped a free black woman who was in his mother's, his family's employ. And he pursued them to Philadelphia, but on the road to Philadelphia in pursuit of these kidnappers, they claimed that a light shone in upon him brighter than the sun. And at that point, he saw the enormity of slavery. And he, it was revealed to him that he must dedicate his life to freeing the runaway slave. And this was 1813, is that right? This was around 1813. And it was characterized as a, as a road to Damascus experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm claiming that that experience really made him different than most Quakers because now he felt slavery to be something very personal. They had entered his home, and now he could not just simply say slavery is wrong. He had to get involved in a hands-on way. And I say it's significant that he chose the Underground Railroad because that's a hands-on operation. You are taking slaves out of slavery, and you're helping them, you're feeding them, you're clothing them. So in that sense, he was different than most Quakers. He was very outspoken. He was defiant. He was bold. He was fearless. He, he let people know who he was. I'm Thomas Garrett. I'm helping slaves. And that's all this to it. I don't think many Quakers were like that. Uh, why don't we talk about the other major incident in his life, the, okay. one, the court case of 1848 you alluded to earlier? Yes. Well, uh, finally, in 1848, he was tried and convicted for helping slaves escape. Uh... After the trial, the marshal of the court said, well, I guess now, Thomas Garrett, that'll stop you from helping slaves escape. Well, I'm saying that at that point, now, Garrett was, had to make a decision. He had this experience in which he believed that God had planted in his breast, although he never used the word God. He said, the Almighty had planted in my breast great feelings of humanity to help this persecuted race. At the same time, he was tried and convicted, and now he stood to lose all of his property, his business, his family would have been in jeopardy, and so he had to make a decision to choose between losing everything he had or remaining true to the experience that he had. And he stood up in the court and he said, I have assisted some 1,400 slaves up to this point. He said, and that may be as a license for the rest of my life. But if any of you see a slave who needs assistance, then you send him to me. Because at this point, I 
pledged to double my diligence and never neglect an opportunity to resist another slave to escape. So he put it on the line. He decided to remain true to the mystical experience that he had. And he did so in such a manner that he could have really been arrested right on the spot. Now I'm saying that what is so significant, I call that the defining moment of his life. Mm -hmm. And what is so significant about it is that he did it in spite of the fact that he could have lost everything. So uh, between the mystical experience and that experience that he had after the trial uh, was the, the defining moments of his life. Now you say this is, a, this is Thomas Garrett, this is the man. Uh, of course, you know, we've talked back and forth about the Underground Railroad, mm -hmm. but can you give us a little overview of the Underground Railroad, especially in Southeast Pennsylvania? I think in your book you call uh, Kennett Square the hub of the yeah. Underground Railroad. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Well, the Underground Railroad, I think, generally speaking, can be considered a, a matter of people helping people. It was a time when blacks and whites were united in a single cause, and that was to help the, the, the runaway slave and in, in turn, possibly end slavery. Uh, wherever there were people helping people, that was basically considered the Underground Railroad. It stretched from Virginia all the way up into Canada. Uh, why uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania, were, and Kennett Square were so important? Uh, because it was right across the border from the slave state. You see, Wilmington was considered, I consider anyway, Wilmington to be the most important southern city uh, on the Underground Railroad because it was only five miles from Pennsylvania. And right across from Pennsylvania, uh, right across the, the, the county line into Pennsylvania, was Thomas Garrett's uh, in-laws, Isaac and Dinah Mendenhall. And they were abolitionists like Thomas Garrett, and he was sending many slaves to them. And they lived right outside of Kennett Square. And uh, when the slaves came into, uh, the runaways came into Kennett Square, they were sent to various parts of Chester County, Lancaster County, and York County. So it really was a hub uh, for the Underground Railroad. And from there, they were sent mostly on up to, to Philadelphia, to where William still had uh, his operation. Uh, and his was called the Grand Central Station of the Underground Railroad. And from there, he was sending them on to Canada as well. So Chester County, Pennsylvania, and the lower counties of Pennsylvania were really very, very important because they bordered the southern slave states. And I think sometimes we lose fact, uh, sight of the fact that Delaware was, where was indeed a southern state, a slave state. I don't think sometimes uh, we, we lose sight of that, how close the slave state was to Pennsylvania. That's true. The good thing about it is Pennsylvania, uh, that Delaware never participated in the Civil War. They remained with the Indian Union. But you're right. Uh, we lose, fact, uh, lose sight of the fact that uh, we're so close to the slave state, especially Chester County. Chester County, I think, was probably the most active of all of the counties uh, on the Underground Railroad. It was just tremendous. Uh, blacks and whites were involved in the uh, Underground Railroad operation there. And amazingly, Garrett never made any secret about his support of runaway slaves. Why was he so open about this, and uh, why did he take such chances? This was because he felt that he was guided by God. Again, he never mentioned the, the word. He doesn't mention the word God. He says the Almighty planted feelings uh, of humanity in his breast, and so he felt invulnerable. In this case, he, in this sense, he was uh, very similar to Harriet Tubman. 
He felt he was invulnerable. I mean, some of the stories about Thomas Garrett are amazing of the chances that he took and of the risks that he took. One slaveholder said that if he ever caught Thomas Garrett in the South, he was going to shoot him. Garrett said, well, you know, I'm going that way in a short period of time. I'll stop by and see you. <laughs> and he did. And then he wrote home and said, well, nothing's happened to me yet. So, so he was very outspoken and because he felt the invulnerable, nothing could happen to him. The, the Maryland state legislator offered a reward of $10,000 for his capture. He said, well, $10,000 is not enough. If you make it $20,000, i will show up personally. <laughs> So, uh, and I, all of this goes yeah. back to this experience that he had on the road to Philadelphia where he felt that God gave him a mission to complete. He called it his duty. And he felt that, uh, sorry, uh, nothing can happen to me because I'm being protected by God. And then in 1861, of course, the Civil War breaks out. Uh, how did Garrett see the outbreak of the war and how did it differ from Quakers' views, most Quakers' views? Garrett actually uh, believed that there had to be a civil war in order to end slavery. Uh, he professed at some point that he uh, was a non-resister, but he also said that he didn't think he could live up to that, being a non-resister. But he said, so he does think that a civil war was necessary in order to end slavery. As a matter of fact, he twice predicted that there would be a civil war, and at one point he came very close to calling it exactly 10 years later when it would happen. So uh, he did believe that there was a civil war. Many Quakers and many other abolitionists wanted slavery to end uh, gradually by the slaveholders uh, emancipating their slaves little by little. But Garrison, though, no, that's not going to work. He said, if they don't do it right away, he's afraid the slaves were going to rise up and kill their masters. So uh, he believed that the, a civil war was, was important and necessary. Harriet Tubman, the runaway slave known as the Moses of her people, and Garrett, the well-to-do merchant. Seems like they would be uh, totally different people, but you say they did have much in common. Yes, it seems like they would be different, but they had the, the one thing that they had in common was that they both had mystical experience. Harriet Tubman, when she was a young lady, she was hit in the head with uh, with an object that was thrown by an overseer for, at, at, trying to catch another slave. And from then on, she heard the voice of God. Thomas Garrett had this uh, experience on the road to Philadelphia to recapture the, 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 the person that the slave holders had kept taken from her home. And uh, he heard the voice of the Almighty telling him that uh, he was... To help slaves escape. And so he had that much in common with Harriet Tubman. Uh, he saw in her a person who had the same kind of commitment he had to helping the runaway slave. But he also saw, as very few people saw, that she really truly was talking to God or someone, a force behind herself. Because he is the only one that I have come across at her time, who referred to her as being clairvoyant. And he said, I don't know what it is, he said, but she does have a force within her that is guiding her. And he was similar to that. He had this, the, he, he said of her, if she were a white woman, her name would be trumpeted over the land as the greatest heroine of the age. He really adored Harriet Tubman, you might say. He said, I am proud to be of her acquaintance. And when she went to help slaves and she was uh, sick, 
he worried about her. He would write letters saying, I'm afraid uh, something has happened to Harriet. Where is she? So uh, he was very much caught up with Harriet Tubman. There was only two people that he admired, at least that I found. One was Lee, William Lloyd Garrison, mm -hmm. and the other was Harriet Tubman. He spoke very highly of these two people. I haven't, I haven't found any letters of his in which he spoke that highly about anyone else. But him and Harriet Tubman were very much alike. But they weren't two peas in a pod. I mean, they were right. different. Harriet sure, Tubman yeah. was... They, uh, Harriet Tubman was very subtle, very quiet, because mm -hmm. she had to be during her Underground Railroad days. Yeah, right. Thomas Garrett, as I mentioned, was very outspoken, bold, fearless. Well, Harriet Tubman was that too, but she just was not as vociferous as, as Garrett was. Another person you do mention, maybe not with that close of a relationship, was Harriet Beecher Stowe, mm -hmm. uh, the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin and the one person Lincoln called the little lady who started a big war. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was their relationship? Actually, there was no relationship that I came across okay. between Harriet Beecher Stowe and Thomas Garrett. What happened is that when Harriet Beecher Stowe was writing Uncle Tom's Cabin, she was searching around for real-life characters mm -hmm. that she could put in her book. Well, after Thomas Garrett's trial of 1848, when he stood up in the court and said to the people in the court, if I will help more slaves... Uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe apparently thought that this was very dramatic, and she used that incident to put in her book. She said so. In the character Phineas, she used the trial of Thomas Garrett to paint that picture. So that's the only relationship that he had with Harriet Beecher Stowe. Interesting. Uh, I guess... Um you know, your, your chapter asked the very important question of the last chapter, how important is Thomas Garrett? A question that addresses his legacy. What uh, should we remember about Thomas Garrett, and what would you like the reader to uh, learn about his life that they could apply to their own circumstances? Well, I think we, we could go away from uh, with an understanding of Thomas Garrett that he was a man who made a commitment, and he fulfilled that commitment even at a point when it would cost him everything he had. He was true to what he believed in. There were some inconsistencies in the things he said. He said that he was a friend of people all over, regardless of their color or their religion. But he also expressed some disdain for the Irish. I don't think he disliked the Irish. What he was, had disdain for was the Irish laborers' treatment of the Negroes, not realizing that they, were, they saw the Negroes in competition. So they should know that he was a human being who had some inconsistencies, but he was a person who remained true to what he believed in, even when it would cost him everything. And as a result of that commitment that he made, a lot of people became free and experienced liberty. He truly was one of the great station masters of the Underground Railroad. And uh, really, there's a, a lot to admire about the man. And thank you for sharing that uh, with us today, Jim. Uh, I'm Carl Halliker. And with us is Jim McGowan, the author of Station Master of the Underground Railroad, The Life and Letters of Thomas Garrett, published by McFarland and Company. And it's been a pleasure to have you here today, Jim. Thank you, Carl, for inviting me. Our pleasure. And I'm Carl Halliker, and this is Book Chat.